This episode is made possible by our friends at Bold, Shopify's largest app developer. They have some amazing apps that do cool stuff on your Shopify store, like allow you to sell subscriptions, memberships with exclusive site access, upsell offers, wholesale pricing, daily deals, loyalty points, product bundles, and so much more. And good news, they have an offer for our listeners to get any of their apps free for two months by going to ecommerce-bootcamp.com bold. Hello and welcome to this episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast. If you don't know me, I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce bootcamp, and DIY toy enthusiast today. And today we're talking with Chris Sang of Mind's Eye. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Did I butcher your name? No, you didn't. You did it perfectly. Okay, actually. good. I've learned not to... I should always ask people's pronunciation <laughs> of their name first. Like someone could be named Brian, and then I say Brian, and they're like, well, it's actually Brianne. Like, I just learned to not trust it. <laughs> okay. I, so you've got, you have a Shopify store. It's called Mindzai, M-I-N-D-Z-A-I.com. Tell us about it. Well, I sell toys, designer toys, or blind boxes. Man, it, it's, it is admittedly sometimes difficult to explain to people, especially when they're walking into the store. But uh, essentially, I sell toys that are all for all ages. Um, three and up. I, I, I sell a variety of uh, toys that are made by artists, uh, independent designer toys, um, to so a little bit more mass market blind boxes, uh, like or like Funko Pops and that that kind of toy. Yeah, I th- would say like the thing probably that people are most likely to have seen are those. Yeah, Funko Pop. Um, which I've seen for sale even in like Barnes and Noble. I've got several. I have RoboCop sitting on my desk right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're te- they're like small. Go with they like four inch tall vinyl figures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is the easy, mm-hmm. and they're all very cute. They're they're fairly twee. You know, I'm and I'm only glancingly familiar with it. Like it's its own subculture. It is in. What are some other like related, like niche subcultures to it? I'd say like for sneakerheads are often seem to be into this stuff. Yeah, sneakerheads are definitely into this stuff. Like that's how I got into it was, uh, you know, because I, I I used to like sneakers and that kind of thing, and you know, I'd read all these like blogs like hype hype beast and freshness mag, and you know, they would they were really into bear bricks, and that's sort of what got me. Um, I was like, oh man, what is this? What is this bear looking thing? You know, it, it's one it, of those things like yeah. you either get it or you don't, and it's. Like it's one of those that you look at them and they're they're weirdly fascinating. And if you feel like that, then suddenly you like you get it. And you're right, I'd say like probably Kid Robots, one of the that was the first one I saw where I was like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, exactly. It's it's so odd, but it's so addictive. <laughs> <laughs> they're collectibles. Yeah. They're super fun. Yeah. So how'd you get into it? It's it's funny. So, you know, as I was saying, I was into like sneakers and that kind of stuff. Um and I used to have my own creative blog called Mind's Eye, uh, same name, and I used to write about, you know, just things that I like, creative arts, underground arts, lowbrow art, um, sneakers, and okay, the occasional toy. Um, eventually, I, I decided, you know what, this writing thing's not for me. I have to pivot Mind's Eye to, to something else, and, but I didn't know what it was. Um, so I was living with my girlfriend, and, you know, she's a big toy collector. 
And so as I was looking around the house, thinking about, you know, what to do, you know, I, I figured I'd, I need to do something with my life. You know, I'm going to do some kind of business. What should I do? I looked around and I was like, oh, man, there's all these Legos everywhere. And I, I wasn't into Legos. I, I, I was into like the sneakers thing and, and these other bear bricks that I was telling you about. Um, so I just figured out, you know what, like, what about those? And I started, I started doing the research. And then 90 days later, I was like, okay, well, here's my store. I'm going to press launch. A lot of people don't talk about research. What did that research phase look like? Honestly, my research was just things that I liked. Seriously. So you followed your passion. I mean, if you're gonna, yeah, if you, if you're gonna get into any business, you you gotta you gotta get into something that you genuinely like. That um, that's not it's not gonna disappear anytime soon. And uh, you know, I I actually said th- these words to myself. If, you know, if I was 95 years old, um, and I was selling toys. Would 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 I be fulfilled as a person? As ninety five, I'm almost gonna, I'm gonna be de- dead soon. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'll be super happy doing that. Why, like toys? Come on, I'm gonna be making kids happy. I'm gonna be making, I'm gonna be making people happy, in general, just by you know nature of being around toys. Um, you know, and look at look at how happy toys have made you know. Me and my girlfriend, like we, you know, like we're just we we love this stuff. You know, you have some stuff. Um, so I, you know, toys was an easy business for me to to jump right into. It was so fun. Just the research was so fun. It was it was dangerous at times because I would get lost in the research. But <laughs> yeah, there is a you want to do just enough research. But I think there's like a common theme yeah. I've seen in successful entrepreneurs like yourself, and that's they start with. And the people that fail are the ones who say, I want, you know, you start with, well, I need to do something with my life and I want to start a business. Okay, that's great. That's where I was. Um, And some people, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they already have a job, but they're not satisfied with it. And they want to like, you know, and they want to do their own thing. But the people that fail are the ones who just say, well, I want to be in e-commerce because I can make money. And then that's it. That never seems to work out. It's when you have a- you need that passion because I think two things happen. You fundamentally you get it. Like you understand your core audience because you're them. So like you just have to sell what you like, you know, and if there's other people that fit that, it works. And then you have that passion, that enthusiasm that drives you. Cause when you're starting out, you gotta grind it out. Um and I think mm-hmm. that's what that's what I'm hearing anyway. So you had an existing you know, it's a, you had a a blog. Um, and it sounds like you pivoted that blog into your Shopify store. Yes, because I was a horrible writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, did, I honestly didn't have passion for it. It was just, you know, I would, I would install AdSense on there and I'd be like, okay, well, that's awesome. That's 32 cents. <laughs> Great. And I suppose if I, you know, continued with it or, you know, had a team of writers, it, it could be successful. But I just, I just didn't have passion for it. So I just wanted to... I needed to change that. I kept the name Mind's Eye because, you know, creativity and imagination to me was something that was important. Um, yeah. So I kept kept that name. So do you think have it? Did you have um, an existing audience then when you launched at the store, or did you launch to nobody? I launched to no one. No one. I launched. I spent that first night that I I decided okay that's going to be launch day. I spent maybe oh man like. 
three, four hours creating banners and, you know, different size banners. <laughs> and I pressed launch and then I got nothing for like three days. Yeah, and I nothing was nothing like, happened. Almost, and I think that's the, that's what happens to everybody, but no one ever sees that coming. Like you, you know, I like the common, I see this happens fairly often. It's like, I'll set up a store for a client. And for some reason, either like they'll think that the store password is removed because they're logged in or the store password is actually removed and they panic. They're like, you got the site's not ready and it, people can see it and it's public. You got to fix it. And I say, OK, it's fine. I fixed it. The storefront password's back up. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, just so you know, I looked at the stats and the only two pe- there were only two people who visited. And I'm guessing that's you and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Everyone thinks like, I don't know where that comes from, but they think like you just build it and then suddenly you've got hundreds of visitors and you're rolling in, in money. And that just isn't the case. I, I don't know. I think that paranoia is sort of healthy, actually, though. Um, you know, it, the, the people who are paranoid and, and believe that they have to have it right, on, right at launch, everything perfect, you know, that's the kind of attitude you need to have whether or not you know you're going to have a, a, a base or not. Right. Yeah, you need to have that. Like, there needs to be, you know, ambition to get it right. And that enthusiasm. Yeah. And that, that yeah, you're right. That part is healthy. Um, but so once you launch it, you know, how do you go from zero visitors a day to, say, like 150 average? Like, I've noticed that seems to be where stores have traction, is once you get to 150-day average, that seems to, like, it's like, okay, you're going to make it. That kind of validates it. So how do you get there? How did you get there? How did I do? Well, <clears throat> in the beginning, it was you know what I what I learned to do was to to hit up friends and family first. Now I'm I'm very realistic. I'm I know that most of my friends and family are going to think that I'm crazy, which is why I hit them first, <laughs> just to get them out of the way. Um, but once they were out of the way, um, and I told them about it, then I really started just. Um, to go out to, I looked for for local shows and conventions uh, that I could uh, go to and attend. Um, you know, I, you know, when you're first starting out, you have literally no money. You you, you have no no ad budgets. You have nothing. Um, so I went out to conventions, and that's where I got my first batch of uh, customers. Well, that's interesting. I've actually yet to see, I think you're the first person who said, well, I went to a physical place, a convention. So sort of yeah. networking events. And it, like from the freelance world, that makes sense. You know, you go out, you network, you meet people. Um, that's interesting. So how did, did you buy booths or did you just show up? Um, the very, I remember the very first Comic-Con I went to, I didn't have anything. I had a bag of flyers and... I literally went to the convention, did not buy a ticket. I just stood outside, hung around in like escalators and elevators and started passing out flyers. Now, was that the smartest thing to do? No. <laughs> I don't think I got uh, very much traction from that. But I did get my first client. You know, my first customer is there. And you know, this person found out about us and then another person did. Uh, and then I, I did go to another one where I actually did buy a booth um, there and this the I love going to conventions because at, at, when you're at the conventions you you get to talk to people face to face you get to sort of test out your market you get to uh, understand what you're doing wrong you get to ask for feedback right away and the best part of all is that they're local they're right around you 
you know, you you if you need to pivot before you go too far, just they're right there. Um, and if you get to see them in person, a lot of people like to shop in person, especially when it comes to toys. Um, so, you know, that was a really great opportunity for me to uh, build my email list. You know, I had I had gone to the convention with like a like a pad, a clipboard where you know people people would write down their emails. Um, and I've just been doing that over and over and over for three years now. How important do you think that email list is? Uh, super important. It's probably the most important tool to me. Um, I, I, it was a loaded question. I personally, I think anyone who's online is in the business of list building. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it is like... That was a test you passed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hold email and list building higher than than any advertising um, because it, for the most basic reason, if you get one email, well, if, it's so much easier to, to get a, a first or second sale from one person than to like spend, you know, I don't know how much dollars to go and acquire another customer. So much cheaper just to like, you know, hit up that same person. You already know that person's interested in your stuff already. Just, you know, go talk to them again. Offer them a deal. Well, tell me, you know, what, when you send your, your emails out, what do they look like? Well, they, they look super unprofessional. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I think that makes them, yeah. I absolutely think that makes, like, if it looks too polished, I just, I just delete it. I don't even look at it. Whereas if it looks like something someone I know made, then it's like, this is something from a friend. This is something personal. Yeah, I write my name. I say, "Hey, it's Chris here from Mind's Eye." I write on every single one. I mean, they so you're know not it. afraid to put your face on the brand, and so many people are, and I don't get that. Um, I'm not afraid. No, I don't. I don't care. I mean, I this is this this is my business. I, I'm very proud of it. I, I want to shout it to the world. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. I have so like, and that's another you know a, a differentiating factor I've seen between people who you know are successful versus not is a lot of people try to hide behind their brand and I don't get it. And I've heard very like, I think they're just scared, but I've heard excuses like, well, you know, I'm positioning it to sell it. So it'll be a detriment if I'm the face of it. And it's like, listen, if you have that problem, that's great. <laughs> you know, people want connections with people, not brands. Yeah, they de definitely do. I like, if I'm, I'm on, you know, I, I, any business user should have a Facebook page. If you don't, you should get on it. But um, on Facebook, you know, people people aren't typing in, "Hey, Mind's Eye team," or "Hey, Mind's Eye," you know, help me out. With <laughs> they they type into Facebook, "Hey, Chris," because they know it's me. Yeah, and that's how <laughs> they you just build... expected that I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> they want, yeah, they want that relationship, and that's what makes it like personal and makes it work. And they have a connection with you, and then it becomes like if they buy from someone else, it almost feels like a betrayal. Like, oh no, I'm you know I'm going to hurt my friend Chris's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't hurt my feelings, just so everybody knows. But um, I think the hardest thing about emails is to, to schedule them ahead of time because they do take um, quite a while to do, even if you know you have all the tools right in front of you. I think, yeah, that's the hardest part for sure with email is trying to get – it's just finding the time to do it. Like straight up, it's a pain to put together um, well-crafted emails. And then the worst is when you like you send it and then you discover a typo. And then you get like the 40 emails of people being like, oh, there was a typo here. Like, I know. Yeah. Stop reminding me. <laughs> I don't mind typos as much as like just wrong links. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one's, that, that one's bad. And then you have to send like the follow-up email and people are getting annoyed. How often uh, do you email your list? Uh, once a week. Once a week? Yeah. 
I think, uh, and this is important, I, I, I think uh, in the beginning I was really hesitant. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to become the spammer. But you got to throw that thinking away. You, you can't yeah. think like that. People, If people want to, to hear from you, they're going to stay on your list. And if they want to leave, you know, make it easy for them to leave. Um, and, and unsubscribe from your from your list. Uh, all all good. Everybody has different reasons why they don't like getting emails. Um, but you just got to throw that thinking away. You're not spamming them. All you're doing is telling them what you have that week. Um, yeah. Because if, if you to- if you stop sending emails, they're gonna, then they're going to say, "Hey, man, I didn't get an email from you this week. You know what's happening? Like, are you alive still? Are you out of business?" <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and then when you start trying to send emails again, like they by that point they've forgotten and they're like, "Who is this guy?" And they think you're spamming them because they forgot they signed up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a big advantage to <clears throat> keeping that chain going and doing that like once a week email. You know, and then you don't know where people are in their buying cycle. Like maybe they're like, yeah, I really want to buy some vinyl toys. I don't have the budget for it right now. I don't have the time for it right now. So that way you're top of mind when it happens. Yeah. When they're I, like, yeah, I, I want to grab something new. Yeah, exactly. I, I have these uh, – I subscribe to a few like other shops um, like like for streetwear. Like I subscribe and I get them in. And I honestly haven't bought from them for like maybe a year now. But I still subscribe just because I want to – I want to stay in the new. No, like I want to know what's trendy, what's what's out there, and not necessarily all for the deals all the time. But I just I just want to know what's what's out. Yeah, and I'm too so lazy send... to type their address into the browser. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's about staying top of mind. Yeah. So you've done um, you sell a mix of other people's stuff plus your own product, right? Uh, yes, it wasn't always like that. I started getting into my own products uh, late last year, and it all started with Kickstarter. And how did that go? Uh, the Kickstarter was amazing. Uh, I mean, we had uh, two successful campaigns. One was for a toy called the Lovebot, and uh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, that one is successful and also successful in the term in. in in that it's finally here and it's arrived and everybody's happy. Uh, there's another one uh, called Lethal Taco. That was actually our first campaign. Um, that one is still going. It's still in the works. It's very frustrating, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be there. It's it's coming along. It's just uh, more complicated. Yeah. So I've also seen you do, and this is interesting. Like, well, correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like you do exclusives or like cross promotions, like cross branding with existing brands. Yes, I do. I, you know, when you're first starting out, you, you know, you're obviously you're working with other brands, you're buying and, and selling wholesale, and you know, selling in retail. And so you, you get to know your vendors and you get to know your partners. And after a while, you start to figure out, um, you know, which are the hot products and, and you work with them closely. And as you work with them more closely, when you, uh, you get access to things like exclusives or, 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 you know, you get one first more than faster than any other retailer and that kind of thing. So, but that doesn't come on day one. So any, anybody that's one, you have to work with your vendors. <laughs> so that's, you know, again, I think it comes down to just reminding people that, you know, everything's about relationships. So just as you're building that relationship with your customers, you also were building relationship with your vendors and those led to these huge, amazing opportunities. Yeah, vendors, manufacturing partners. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, that also then gets you to the point, because manufacturing something's re- like in- harder than anyone realizes. 
when you went to do your Kickstarters to do your original products, I'm sure there were conversations with vendors where, you know, about manufacturing. When you're starting your business, you know, all you can really do is, you know, buy wholesale and sell retail. <clears throat> but as you, as you grow, you start to realize, you know what, if you're really into this business, you should really think about starting to make your own product. Not just because uh, you want to make your own product, you want your brand, but you know, for for mathematical reasons, like business reasons, like the the profit margins are going to be stronger, uh, they're going to be better. Um, so you want to have a grasp and a good know how on all of manufacturing. So that's why I didn't I didn't approach the vendors first for that. I wanted to hmm. research all of that. I went overseas. I, I went to multiple partners, uh, factories in China. Uh, I went. I did a lot of research on my own. Wow! When you say research, you like dove all. You went head first. I went head first because, like I said, like this, I'm going to be doing this until I die. So, what's the point of hitting up a vendor first? I mean, they're the vendors are busy taking care of their own customers and their own manufacturing and their own factories. I, I I'm if I want my own product, I I want to you know know it inside out intimately. I want to know, you know, how plastics work and, you know, what works and what doesn't with, with factories and how to make a box and all that kind of stuff. I've talked to, at this point, I have talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. I love doing it. And I think, you know, listening to you talk, one of probably your, one of your most amazing skills comes from mindfulness. You are so very aware. Like you said, well, you've got, you know, this passion and drive and enthusiasm, which is phenomenal. But there's also like, there's empathy in there where you, you're like, well, you have to go talk to your customer in person to understand them. Well, a lot of people don't think that way. And that's so important, you know, that you caught that. And then, you know, I said, you know, for me, I would have just like tried picking my manufacturer's brains, right? And you said, no, 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 they're busy handling other stuff. And I want to know this inside and out. And like, that's such that, that awareness, that mindfulness is such a powerful tool. Yeah. I mean, like the, the partners that I buy from, like, you know, for example, Kid Robot, you know, they're an amazing company, but at the same time, technically I am going to be their competitor if I make my own product. So, you know, I have to, how do you walk that line? In the beginning, you, your your thoughts are more sinister. Like you, you oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be number one. I'm gonna shut you guys down. I'm gonna be on top. I'm gonna be number one. You guys are going down. But as you start to grow your business, you start to realize that those are your friends and peers. <laughs> you have to respect them. They're driving the industry to make it popular, and they're doing the same thing as you. And so, you you can't always think of them as you know, as strictly competitors. So you have to find different ways to work with each other. Um, so for in, in my case, I, I continuously buy from KidRobot um, and I promote them proudly. They really do produce some really great products. Uh, Medicom Toy Japan, same thing. Like they have like some of the most world-class products. And at the same time, like when I'm producing my own products, I, I hold my standards uh, uh, high and I want to be uh, just as big as them and I so your competitors can also be your what's, what's the word like your 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 own vision you know it's something you aspire to so that's how I look at it I, I don't I don't view uh, them as um, you know these these evil corporations that I need to compete with no that makes a lot of sense yeah I think they quickly once you start turning like you, you cross that, you're through the looking glass and you stop viewing your competitors as competitors and start viewing them as colleagues and peers. 
you know, then you discover you have a lot to offer each other. And even just like, you know, having that shop talk with people can be really helpful. So we're, we're coming to the end of our time together. As a close, do you have any closing thoughts? And really, you know, what's one thing you wish you did differently? So, you know, if someone is coming, is about to start their Shopify store, really like, what's the one tip you have for them? The one thing you wish, you, you wish they knew that you, you know, you wish you knew to start. <clears throat> I struggle with this a lot because, you know, I, I see where I have gone and I know that I've gone, uh, to, to, I've gone quite far with my business. You know, like we have, we have more than just the one, uh, dot com now. We actually have a Canadian website, uh, that is the same name, but they sort of redirect to each other. Um, and we have the two stores, but I guess the reason why I struggle with this is because I, I want to tell people to, to not do so much, to just focus on what they do best. One thing for me, I, I dabbled in this and I dabbled in that and I sort of wish I never did that. I think that's great advice. I think about that so much. Uh, you know, I know that I've done all these different things with retail and stores and manufacturing, but, but I honestly feel that I would be so much further ahead if I really put my focus onto one thing. If, if I, and I think that's what I'm going to be doing this year is, is I'm going to be focusing on my online business and, you know, creating a larger funnel for my online business, really putting a lot of focus on that and, and not so much, you know, making all these, you know, hundreds of different of toys, skews of toys and, and trying to expand that way. Um, you know, I'm going to, scale it back and, and focus on one vertical. And I, if you, if you focus on one thing, you try to make that as, as perfect as possible, you're going to go a long way. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I think, you know, what happens is it's very, once you're your own boss, you know, it becomes very tempting to say yes to everything and, and do all these different fun projects and you may learn from them and they could be good opportunities, but there are, uh, definitely there are going to be months where it, at the end of the month it feels like you moved one inch in every direction as opposed to moving your business forward. And, you know, the thing I'm hearing is you need to be intentional. And once you're intentional and you've focused, you know, that, that passion and the creative energy, that's how you really move, you know, your business forward and advance yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're only, you're only one person. And, and even if your company is only five persons, well, that's only five persons. Like, just fo- if everybody's focused on one thing – yeah, oh man, you're you're gonna you're gonna really do well. Agreed. So yeah, thank you for joining us, Chris. Where could people go to learn more about you? Uh, they can go to mindseye.com. It's uh, m-i-n-d-z-a-i.com. Cool. Very good. So to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you could find out more about it at unofficialshopfypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you can sign up for my newsletter at kurtelster.com. And I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.